0: The following is recorded for Marine Creek Church. If you have any questions, feel free to visit our website at www.marinecreekchurch.com. There's a guest card in your uh, seat back uh, pocket in front of you. We'd love for you to fill that out. We can get some information to you about who we are. And you can put that in the giving station on your way out. I also want to say thank you all, church family, for an amazing agape month. Uh, the month of July, Agape Meals out of Broadway Baptist, their kitchen staff takes off and we go in and we cook for the month. And uh, this last week, uh, 700 or 690 hot dogs uh, were cooked. I mean, it was insane. There was, I mean, it was incredible amounts of food. The week before that, we did hamburgers. The week before that, smoked chicken quarters and then briskets before that. And uh, so thank you, not just for those who cooked, but for those of you who came out and served and loved on people Um, This last Tuesday night, it was just, for me, it was incredible to watch our Creek family just go through, love people, and take care of them. Um, Our goal is always to love people, to make Jesus clear, and it was so incredible seeing that happen. This Thursday is our regular agape night, and we're not cooking, but we're just serving. So they're back to what they used to be eating. So we'll get to hear them talk about how they really liked the food we did the last month. You know, they'll be like, I'm so glad this is back, or why can't we have the rest of it? Um, But don't get prideful on that. We'll do it again next July, and we'll cook for them, but it's our regular. Normally, we do the first Thursday of every month and uh, go down to Broadway Baptist Church in Fort Worth and serve. It's an incredible opportunity. Um, Another thing that I want to give you an update on, we try to reserve the first Sunday of the month for our Foundations Update. I know uh, most of you know we're building a facility. It is almost finished. I mean, it's like the finish line is like right there, um, and we're in that final stretch. Uh, but the whole thing started because God had called us to a, a, a foundations process. He called us to a spiritual journey. Um, part of that was raising finances to be prepared for the spiritual journey. And I want to give you an update. We like to, like to give that on the first uh, weekend of the month, do something around our foundations campaign. Um, today, for all you type A personalities, I'm going to give you some numbers and you're going to love it. And so for you accountants, this is awesome. Um, there's, there's dollars in it as well. But in November of 2012, we as a church came together and 50 families uh, pledged uh, to go on a spiritual journey together and give above their tithes. Um, as sacrificial giving, and we made commitments on that. And the amount committed on that was $387,000, which is incredible for a church our size and um, our age. And we have a consultant that helps us through it. I love spending time with him on the phone and and in person. I was on the phone with him this week. We were talking through things, and he just said, I don't know how to predict anything you do. You guys just break the mold on everything you do. I was like, yeah, that's how we roll. Um, It's like... You know, he, he's he got pastors that he wants to send to us to see in a daycare. I was like, well, tell him to hurry up because we're ready to get out. Um, but um, the uh, 387,000, but then what's been incredible is we've seen some, this, this weird dynamic that uh, since November 12, the church has grown and more people have gotten involved with this this spiritual journey and then the vision and the mission for the creek and, and bought into what God's doing in the lives of, of us and other people. Because in November of 2012, I stood on this platform and I said, "Here's what I believe God's calling us to do." Those of you who are here remember. If you don't remember, you can go back and listen to the podcast. Um, Here's what I believe God's calling us to do. We're going on a spiritual journey for three years, and I believe in the spring of 2013 we need to buy property and then find a rental place that would allow us more space. And uh, because if you look around, we're we're, we're elbow to elbow. This is uncomfortable sometimes, and. uh, we need to find some bigger rental space and then go into this process of building a permanent facility. Well, God has a sense of humor. You know why? Because none of that happened. Um, little did we know that in, in spring of 2013, we were negotiating with, with HeartSong and they were gonna be giving us the facility they had started. And and we've worked out an incredible partnership um, with unity in the body. Imagine that. Um, so many so many times I watch Christians, I'm like, man, where's the unity uh, between Christians and between brothers and sisters, but God has brought two churches together to work in unity, and it's incredible, and uh, we're almost finished. Since that time, I said that, and all that's transpired, we have grown as a church, and more people have gotten on board with the campaign, and so remember the number we said was committed was 387,000. Let me tell you how much has come in, and we're just over a year and a half into this campaign. You ready for this? I'm not going to make you do a drum roll or anything. Adam Wood, by the way. Um <laughs> It's $443,800. Um, yeah, give your, I mean, give your thank you for being involved with that. I'm excited. Let me tell you why I'm excited about that. Um, because we can't pay cash for this the facility that we're doing. It's about a $1.7 million build. Our loan is $1.2 million. So what that means is we've been able to cash out all of these things. So all the things that I've told you over the last couple of months that are oops, you know, Waterline is an oops, big oops on that one, by the way, Um, like 60,000 oopses. But we've been able to not have to go back to the bank and say, can we have more money? We've kept our loan amount low. We've been able to cash this out. And we've also been able, and I told you the thing that I would not do is go into this spiritual process. If it meant we put ministry in jeopardy, our ministry budgets are fine. So we've done all this above and beyond um, our ministry budget. So, Thank you, thank you, thank you from the bottom of my heart for that. It means that's an incredible testimony um, to faithfulness to God, and so I'm, I'm grateful for it. Um, this week we're continuing on our spiritual warfare series. So if you've got your Bible, go to Romans chapter eight. Um, I'm sorry, I, I got ahead. We changed the slide. Let me tell you. Let me. I, I threw I threw our tech group off uh, in the the first service, and then I self corrected. But after we corrected the slide, so um, this is a heavy series. And uh, we are going to be dealing with some heavy topics through this series. And I've put the, the address, the email address, uh, info at marinecreekchurch.com. Um, and so I won't pick on you if you pull out your phone in the middle of serve this teaching and, and email because I don't want you to forget your questions. So um, you can email those questions. We looked at different ways on how to, how to get information to and from and, and just with, with the interest of time. But if you email your questions, we will answer those questions. Now, I'm going to be honest with you. I don't have time to play Stump the Pastor, and I don't have time to get into other things. Um, We're going to answer questions as they pertain to this teaching because there's lives at stake in this. So if you've got questions, we're going to be addressing some of those next week at the beginning of my teaching. Um, The rest of them, we will answer during the week and throughout the week. So your question will not go unanswered unless it's just something you want to play games with. I don't have time for that. But... I, want you to, I, don't, I don't want you to miss out on information. I don't want you to miss out on truth because uh, what we're talking about is life and death. It is very vital. It is a, it is a battle uh, for our soul. It's a battle for our mind. And today we're talking about who's in command. So if you go to Romans chapter 8, if you got your Bible, meet me there. You can find this on version or your smartphone or tablet, whatever you use. If you don't have a Bible, we have some on the ends of the rows for you. If you don't own a Bible, you can take that. That's our gift to you. We're in the process of ordering more Bibles. Um, so if you get one that's a little tattered and don't want to take that home, we'll get you a new one. We want you to have a Bible. We want you to have access to the Word of God. We want you to be able to take notes in that. Um, you've got note sheets with you on your worship guide, so uh, we'll lock in on this. Uh, I, I told you last week we were going to be going into some specific topics on, on spiritual warfare. I wanted to spend last week um, getting prepared for war understanding the armor that God has given us, understanding what God has called us to. And then this week, we were gonna roll up our sleeves and dive into specific issues. And one of the things that God has to, has to do with me is keep me sensitive to where you are. Um, I've got, my responsibilities are to lead you and feed you. And so I've gotta be sensitive to know what questions are existing. And based on uh, what happened last week in the, in the prayer room, the prayer hall, the prayer kitchen, the prayer all the way down, the questions this week um, and the, the topics that, that you many of you have, we've discussed, um, I feel we need to kind of put something in, the, in, in between uh, last week being prepared for, for spiritual warfare and next week dealing with some specific things that we have to fight against. And this week it's understanding that, that, that there's a battle for your mind. Um, who's in command. When you, when you look at going into to, to fight, when you look at going into a war, when you go into engage, it's important to have the right orders. It's important to hear the right voice um, to tell you what's going on. And, and there is a battle that is going on in your mind. And, and for some of you last week, it was really eye-opening to understand there is an enemy and that that he seeks after you, he watches you, he hunts you, he stalks you, and he desires to steal from you and to kill you. And, and for some of us, that's a little bit scary, because to understand that we really have somebody that's after us kind of brings a little bit of a, a fight emotion to me at least. Um, and it's the fight or flight, there's no running from this fight. And so when you finally get yourself to understand that you cannot run from this, there is no safe ground. You are in the middle of it. Whether you're a Christian or not, you are in the middle of this battle. And when we understand that, you've got, you've got an option at that point. You you just get to it and you start fighting as hard as you can. If, if, my, my thought, if I'm going down, I'm going down fighting. And so you need to understand, it is vital to understand that there's an enemy that seeks to steal from you and to kill you and destroy he wants to devour you. Your total destruction is what he's after. And so as we get into this, um, Romans uh, chapter eight, let's understand some things about our mind and about the enemy and about what he wants to do. So I'm gonna start in verse one. Um, verse one starts with the word, therefore. Okay, Paul is giving some information that you can understand why, where he's going. This is a transition so he's talking about the struggle. Before this section, he's talking about the struggle with sin. He's talking about what death has done to us, what sin has done to us. And let me tell you, uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to preface a therefore in this because so many of us don't understand that there is a battle for our mind going on. Um, there, is, there, there are uh, different voices that are trying to give us commands. And when you read Scripture, you hear that the Holy Spirit is gentle. He's a still, small voice. He's going to whisper to us. When you look at Elijah, when God said, I'm going to speak to you, it wasn't in a storm, it wasn't in a fire, it wasn't in an earthquake. It was a still, small voice. It's actually translated in the silence God spoke to Elijah. So so God doesn't have to shout above the enemy. But what you've got on on the flip side is you've got the enemy screaming at you. You've got the enemy yelling things in your ear. You know, it's kind of a whole idea. If I'm going to whisper to you, am I really going to get your attention? But if I shout at you, I'd probably break your ears with this microphone. But if I shout at you, that's going to get your attention. If your kid is running towards the street, you're not going to go, oh, honey, oh, honey, oh, honey. It depends on how they acted that morning, actually. Um, <laughs> you've, been, you've been a little demon this morning. Oh, honey, honey, honey. Any no, no any of you love your kids, you are gonna be shouting. I've seen your mom, your mom is playing at Chick-fil-A and stuff. And you walk in, you are shouting those kids down. Um, That's where we do our staff meeting. It's a fun time. Uh, So Paul says, therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, because through Christ Jesus, the law of spirit uh, of life has set me free from the law of sin and death. Let me me help you understand this. Those voices are shouting at you, Last week, if you you missed last week, you can go back and listen to it. But, But I said that the devil, his name means accuser, that he stands before God and he's accusing you. He's trying to condemn you. He is gonna be shouting in your ear, in your mind all the time. There's no way you're worthy. There's no way God loves you. How could God love you when the way you behave is so ridiculous and so contrary to what God says in his word? There is no way, and he's yelling. He is shouting in your mind, in your spirit, in your soul, whatever. He is just yelling at the top of his lungs. You are not worthy of God. Just walk away, give it up. There's no way. That's condemnation. Paul says, those who are in Christ Jesus, there is therefore now no condemnation. Because the law that says that we should die, that the enemy wants to accuse us of breaking and convict us from breaking, he says, you've been set free. You've been set free. The law was sin and death, and you were bound to that. And you've been set free, and the enemy can't condemn you. Even the law can't condemn you. There's no condemnation for those who are in Christ. Understand that because the enemy's gonna shout condemnation at you. Now the Holy Spirit, i get th- this might be a point of question, well, what about when the Holy Spirit convicts me? When the Holy Spirit convicts me, he's not shouting at me. He's not saying, you're, you're such a ridiculous son, you need to get this sin out of your life. That's the enemy saying, you're such a ridiculous son of God, you got the sin in this life, You just you're, you're worthless. The Holy Spirit is, hey, I love you. And you know what? This area of your life is causing some bondage. What do you say we deal with? You hear the difference in the voices? That tone exists in Scripture. The Holy Spirit will be so gentle with us because He loves us that there is no condemnation. For what the law was powerless to do and that it was weakened by the sinful nature, God did, by sending his own son in the likeness of sinful man to be a sin offering. Okay, there's nothing you can do to break free. How did it happen? If you've got your Bible, underline those two words, God did. God did it. God did it. You cannot do it. God did it. How do we break this, this law of sin and death? God did it. How do How do we live lives that have no condemnation? God did it. And God did it by sending his son in the likeness of sinful man to be a sin offering. And so he condemned sin in the sinful man. Some of your translations might say, condemn sin in the flesh. Last week, I told you there are three enemies, the world, Satan, and the flesh. So here you've got Jesus coming in the likeness of a man and condemning sin in the flesh. He faced the enemy in order that the righteous requirements of the law might be fully met in us who do not live according to the sinful nature but according to the Spirit. Those who live according to the sinful nature or the flesh have their minds set on what the nature desires or the flesh desires, but those who live in accordance with the Spirit have their minds set on what the Spirit desires. The mind of sinful man or the mind of the flesh is death, but the mind controlled by the Spirit is life and peace. The sinful mind is hostile to God. It does not submit to God's law, nor can it do so. Those controlled by the flesh or the sinful nature cannot please God. There is a battle going on for your mind. It starts in your mind. And our mind is either controlled by one of two things Paul is saying, the flesh, which is an enemy, or the spirit. And when our mind is controlled by the flesh, the enemy then our mind is set on death. But when our mind is controlled by the spirit, it is life and peace. Even in the midst of incredible spiritual warfare and the battle for our lives, our souls, there's incredible peace because of where our mind is set. See, this is important because, you know, the enemy I told you is a created being. He cannot get in and control your mind you know, you, you, the devil made me do it. Let me tell you how people get into the excuse of the devil made me do it. He can plant seeds. He can plant thoughts. You see, the, the devil, has he is not everywhere at once, but he has demons that do his work for him. And so you are hunted. His demons are watching you. They'll plant a seed of a thought. How does that happen? Hmm, look at how many images and, and marketing messages we get in a day in our society. Would you not think that? that the enemy's going to try to find a way to to bring some thought into that I mean I drive I drive down the road and see billboards and I go mm, I but I cannot entertain that thought the enemy will use different things to plant thoughts uh, he will send temptations my way one of which is 35 or left lane, left lane drivers who can't <laughs> seem to get over to let other people buy him I guess. See, I'm whispering because the Holy Spirit's been convicting me on that. If I get on your bumper, it's because I love you, okay? Um, <laughs> but the enemy's fighting for mine. And so uh, let, me, let me help un, help you understand. Um, you, you've heard this term because uh, we're going to get into this when we talk about bondage and freedom and spiritual warfare. Uh, we've got to go into this conversation about demon possession. Because Jesus said when I, that you will preach the gospel, heal the sick, and cast out the demons. Okay, we've made a mockery of healing the sick and casting out demons. And we've almost made a mockery in some of our circles about preaching the gospel. But Jesus hasn't changed that command. And so for us to understand it, I mean, this is where it gets real. For us to understand that, that there is de- demonic activity and the enemy does work in demonic ways, and he does possess people. Now, before you start thinking that need the holy water, the old priest and the young priest, and, and all the movies that you have seen as a teenager that you wish you could erase because of all the nights that you lost sleep, let me help you understand this because there's some things, there's some basic truths in this that the enemy can get in and, and have control in our life. Um, can a Christian be demon possessed? I get this question. Um, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to talk you through the reasoning on this because I hear people say light and dark cannot live in the same house. Okay, we're in this room together and there's light and there's also dark. In my house, I can turn on every light in my home and there are still dark places. When you look scripturally, look at look at Job. The, the, the enemy is in the presence of God. Talking about Job. 1 Kings 22, there's a presence of, of, of lying spirits in the presence of God. You look at, at Jesus who is God in the flesh and Satan himself comes to tempt Jesus. We can't, we can't go with an elementary understanding that there's no way a demon can mess with me because Jesus lives in my heart, because I'm, I am a child of God. Let me help you understand something. When you see the word demon possession in the New Testament and in scripture, this word possession does not mean, the Greek word does not mean ownership. It means mastery, control over. Let, let me put it to you this way. We're all here here at the creek. And let's say you left your house and you, you left a door open or you left a window open and there's a thief in your house right now. Does that thief own your home? No. Does that thief have control of your home? You bet. And the only way to get him out is to take him out. He has to be taken out of your home in order for the control to be restored back to you. So we've got to understand this. Now, now so there is demonic activity that can affect and impact the life of a Christian, the life of a believer. And that we can get in and experience this battle played out in very real ways. And it plays through the mind controlled by the flesh because the enemy's gonna, he's gonna feed the flesh. Because he knows it's an enemy. If he can get your flesh working against you, he's going contrary to the spirit. And what is he doing? He's stealing things that God desires to give you. He's locking you up in chains and he's binding you up. So you may be a child of God, but you have absolutely no power. You have no peace. You have no joy. You have no... He starts stealing your hope. He just starts slowly choking it to death. So now that I've completely freaked you out, um, <laughs> let me give you good news. The first point, some of you are like waiting for a fill-in, like, man, I'm just feeling so uncomfortable. God is the ultimate authority over all principalities and powers. I hear people say, uh, well, I kind of look at God as like the angel on this shoulder going, do good, do good, do good. And the the devil is the the devil on this shoulder going, do bad, do bad, do bad. And and they just fight it out and they get in. And, you know, because we've got epic battles all around us. I mean, you got the Superman, Spider-Man, any bug man against his arch enemy and, You've got Guardians of the Universe, Transformers. Those are robots in disguise. You better be careful of those guys. But um, there's always an epic battle, and we think that God versus Satan is the ultimate battle. Let me tell you something. It ain't going to be much of a battle because we tend to put God and Satan on equal terms, level playing ground, and they're not. God has authority over Satan. Satan is a created being. If you want to look at how God and Satan fight, um, it's kind of like the, the the movies, the funny clips, where there's the kid that's trying to swing at the big kid, and the big kid's just holding his head, just laughing, and this kid's just going to town. And Satan is so prideful, he thinks he can still win. I mean, he's kicking and he's swinging, and God's like, you ain't getting nowhere, Jack. The only authority that the enemy has is that which God allows him to have which also means the only authority the enemy has in your life is what you allow him to have. I mean, that's comforting yet scary because the authority that the enemy has in my life is the ground I've given up to. And we have authority. Listen listen to this. I'm going to read to you when Jesus sends out the 72. This is in Luke chapter 10. And if you just want to put a note, Luke 10 on your note sheet, go back and read this. He sends out the 72 because he's sending them to go out and preach the gospel, heal the sick and cast out demons. And and the 72 return, uh, Jesus says this before they go out. He who listens to you listens to me. He who rejects you rejects me, um, but he also rejects the one who sent me. The 72 returned with joy and said, Lord, even the demons submit to us in your name. And Jesus said, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. I have given you authority to trample on snakes and scorpions and to overcome all the power of the enemy. Nothing will harm you. However, do not rejoice that the spirits are subject to you, but rejoice that your names are written in heaven. Okay, listen to this. Jesus is sending us out as sheep among wolves. And he says, I've given you authority. The snakes and scorpions refer back to the to Satan and the demons. I've given you authority. You have the power of them, but don't rejoice because they're subject to you. Rejoice that your name's written in heaven. Rejoice that my blood has put your name in the Lamb's book of life. Because that's where our joy is. Because that's where our power is. I mean, and, and let me say say this: Be careful. You better know the one in whom that gives us the authority before you engage. I told you this last week. We taught through the book of Acts. You will be like the seven sons of Sceva, and they'll go, I know Paul, and I know Jesus, but I don't know you. And they're fixing to throw you a beating. If you, They walked away naked and bleeding. You ever walk away naked and bleeding from a fight? You've lost. Don't, don't even try to argue that with me. Uh-uh. You have lost. And so Jesus gives us the authority. Here's what I love. He gives us the authority to go out and free people. Think about the areas that he gives us freedom when he says, preach the gospel, heal the sick, and cast out the demons. The gospel, the good news that we were dead, that the law of sin and death could not do it, but God did by sending his own son to be in the likeness of sinful man and defeat sin and defeat the flesh. That's good news. That's freedom. Heal the sick. And there's so many of us that walk around with illnesses that God says, it's robbing you. And we uh, we could go theologically through that so many ways, but there's so many of us that are dealing with issues that are a spiritual core first, and we could be free from that. And then demon possession, there's there's way too many Christians. That, well, I don't even need to get into all the, the work stuff in the world. There's too, way too many people in church that the enemy has mastery over areas of your life. He says, I want you to be free. He whom the Son sets free is free indeed. So he says, Go out. What I love about it, he's freed us. And what do freed people do? They free people. We go out and look for people in bondage because he's given us a key. And so we go out and we free people. I love that. I want you to have that hope. I want you to have that encouragement because as we get to these last two points, this gets into the fight. The second thing is be vigilant about opportunities that give the enemy entrance into your life. Vigilant, I, it's not even a strong enough word um, to describe how we've got to protect our life. You see, at night, um, before I go to bed, I do a couple of things. I walk around our house, I make sure all the lights are off and certain lights are on and, and I check every door. I've, I already know I already know if a window opens in my house because the last couple of nights has, been, has freaked me out because the weather's been cool and we slept with one window cracked a little bit and I just, man, I just don't like that because I'm like, that just leaves a space. I'm like, what if somebody gets in there? So I, I go through, I check every door, I set the alarm system and then I've got an 11 pound attack dog that will, <laughs> he will tear a shoelace apart, man. So if you get through those lines of defenses, there's other things waiting for you. But uh, I go through and secure my home as much as I can because I love my wife. I love my family. Can I ask you this question? Why on earth spiritually do we not do the same thing? How many of us are being lulled to sleep with cracked windows? How many of us are falling asleep with doors wide open for the enemy to walk into our life? and begin to have control in our home. And we're gonna get into some of these areas, but just to give you a taste of them, look at, look, at, look at addiction, look at sexual sin. I mean, these are areas where we've opened up just a small area. Think of the enemy this way. If we're gonna give up a grain of sand, he's gonna take the whole shore because he's gonna take it one grain of sand at a time. Hey, here's a thought, a grain of sand. I'm gonna entertain that thought. I'm gonna entertain another thought. Here's another grain of sin. Next thing you know, you've got no ground and you have found yourself completely in a stronghold. You're in a prison that the enemy has put you in. Be vigilant about the opportunities. What are your vulnerable areas? When I, I mention addiction, I get this question a lot. Is it, is it legal? Is it a sin or not a sin for a Christian to drink alcohol? I can give you the biblical answer. It's a sin to get drunk. But can I also give you some wisdom? Why would you want to open doors that give the enemy a foothold in your life? If he can take something and get you wrapped up into addiction about it, he's going to use that to rob you of everything you've got. Be careful about the doors, the windows, the opportunities that we open up for the enemy to get into our life. Because when he gets in... He just doesn't take a small piece. He's gonna push, he's gonna push, and he's gonna push until he completely, he will not stop. Understand this. Here's where the fight comes. He will not stop until you're completely destroyed. He's not gonna let up on you. He has no grace. He has no mercy. He has no love for you. He has no respect for God. He will not let up until you and everything around you has been completely destroyed. So how do we remain vigilant? 1 uh, Peter 5.8 tells us this, that we are to be self-controlled, which if you think about it, what is self-control? It is a fruit of the spirit. The mindset on the spirit is life and peace. When the Holy Spirit is at work in our life, he produces fruit, one of which is self-control. So be self-controlled and alert. One, one translation says, sober-minded, Don't let anything cloud the influence of your decisions. Don't let anything get in that's gonna hinder your ability to make sound decisions. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Resist him standing firm in the faith. So we're getting instruction here to be of clear mind. When you go into a fight, you need to be clear-minded. I got to go through a safety course a couple of weeks ago and they talk about how to psychologically prepare yourself for a fight. How to, how to get in and, and understand and really zone in and hone in on what's at hand, the fight that's at hand. Be sober-minded. Don't let anything cloud your judgment. Don't let anything impair your, your ability to make sound decisions and get in, and then you stand your ground. You get vigilant. It, it, it's, not, it's not flight time, folks. It's not time for the church to flight. It's time for the church to stand up and fight and say no more. I'm not giving any more ground to the enemy. This is, our fight is, against, is not against people. It is against rulers and principalities. It's against the one who's planting the thoughts. When we go and we, if we cut the head of the snake off, you know what happens? The snake dies. So we get vigilant about this. So what do we do if the enemy's gotten in our house? Boy, it's time to stand up. Fight, 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 fight. Engage in the battle. Or who controls your mind. I, I can't stress this enough. Fight. If you got to swing hair and nails, fight. But go back to the weapons and the armor that God has given us. You put on the full armor of God. Last week I told you what the helmet of salvation means. It means the mind renewed by God. We want our mind to be controlled by the Spirit. So we are set on life and peace. Otherwise, we have an unprotected mind. and we let, our, we let the enemy begin to throw these thoughts in and begin to gain control over our mind, and we start trailing those down. You see, our fight is to break strongholds, to cast the enemy out, and to secure our lives. That stronghold is where the enemy gets in, and that's the beachhead that he sets up in your life. You see... The word stronghold means when, when God says I am your stronghold, he's a fortress. He's a mighty fortress. You know what the other definition for stronghold is? Prison. The enemy wants to imprison you. And we fight to get out of those prisons. You're free. You just gotta live it. So we fight. How do we fight this war in our mind? Um, we get in and we have to take every thought captive. 2 Corinthians 4 says that the weapons that we fight with aren't carnal. They're not earthly. They're mighty for demolishing strongholds and casting out imaginations and allows us to take every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. So here's what we do. When a thought comes in, see the enemy's gonna plant a thought. Might be a a billboard, an image, might be something that happens. He's gonna plant a thought. Take it captive. How you take it captive? You get in front of it. and go, you're not going anywhere. That thought is not going to go anywhere else other than the thought. You see, it's not a sin to be tempted. The sin happens when we engage in the temptation. The enemy's going to throw temptations at you. But you take it captive. I ain't going there. Remember I told you a renewed mind says, I don't live there anymore? I don't live there anymore. So you take it captive or you take a different train of thought. Philippians 4, eight says, whatever is pure, whatever is noble, trustworthy, praiseworthy, think on these things. So take a different train of thought. Our minds are like Grand Central Station. Okay, thought comes in, us guys, we're more like a, a, a one-lane rail station in the Old West, we'll put it that way. You women are like Grand Central. I cannot figure out the mind of woman. I'd rather try to embark on figuring out the mind of Christ than figuring out the mind of my wife. So that's why I study so much here because then he gives me grace in my relationship. But you get a thought that comes in and your choice is this, am I gonna get on that train or not? Because where that train's going is all the way to sin, all the way to destruction, all the way to death. Or am I gonna take that thought captive and say, you know what, To the obedience of Christ, I'm gonna take a different train. Think about the thoughts that come into your mind. I play this game. How did I think this? How did I get down this train of thought? And I know it's crazy, but when I have trouble sleeping, like all of a sudden I'll be thinking about this kid I knew in third grade. I'm like, how did I start thinking about this kid I knew in third grade? So when I, if I email you, text you, or Facebook, you say, hey, I was thinking about you today. And when I think about you, I pray about you. So it, it, you, I could have a very random train of thought of how I got to thinking about you. But I like to backtrack that going, how did I get to that random thought? And I go all the way back. Understand this cut those thoughts off at the start because the way we think determines the way we feel and the way we feel determines the way we act so if we're going to change the way we act we've got to change the way we think right how do we change the way we think god did it god gave us the ability to renew our mind so we then we stand against the enemy stand against him say devil i'm not i, I ain't playing this game with you anymore you don't have any authority here. You don't have authority in my life. You don't have authority in my home. And in the name of Jesus, he has given me all authority to say this to you, get out. And do you know what? At the name of Jesus, the enemy has to flee. When we resist him, he flees. Now here's how he'll flee your life. Get out, get out, get out, get out. And he'll be, like, I'll be back. I ain't leaving. You don't have authority on me. I, you can't play this game with me. He has No authority in your life other than what you give him. And he will smack talk you all the way out the door. But you keep going. Get out. Get out. Get out. Get out. Get out. And if you need help, get help. You know what words I love to say? Get out. And I don't rejoice that I have that I can say get out. And he does it. I rejoice because I'm a child of God. Don't fight this fight alone. He calls us to a body. He calls us to an army. He calls us to relationship. Don't do it alone. And I, I, I'm going to bring some people. If I introduced them to you last week, then uh, Richard and Charlene are going to make their way up here. And then we've got uh, our elders. We've got our, our pastoral staff. So if you would come on up here, Trent, come up, Heather, come up. I don't know if Kevin's in this service. He was in the first service of Joseph. If you're here, his wife broke her foot this week. And so, um, uh, he may have to go tend to her, but um, we got this covered. But uh, I introduced Richard and Charlene last week, and so they were they were launching our freedom ministry. Um, when I say get help, this is an amazing source of help. Okay, Their calling is to get into the trenches with you. Their ministry is to walk beside you to freedom. They're not gonna help you figure out how to manage the strongholds in your life. They're going to help you get out of them. And and let me tell you something. the way You tell the enemy to get out, but then there's got to be something to fill the house because Jesus said you can cast that house, the enemies out, and you can make the house clean, but unless Jesus fills the house, they're coming back, and they're going to come back worse. You look at the train of addiction. We'll deal with that in a couple weeks, but somebody who says, I quit and I'm staying quit, I quit, I quit, I quit. And, and it might be a, it might be a one pack a day habit they kick, and then when it comes back, it comes back with a vengeance. And you're like, "How did I get to two packs a day this quickly? How did I get to, to this much? How did it escalate this bad?" You got to get free, and then you got to get help. Think of it this way: you got to get delivered, then you got to get discipled. They're going to help you with both. So we're gonna we're gonna pray. This is a commissioning prayer. That we're going to lay our hands on them, and we're going to pray for their ministry. I'm going to tell you, do not be shy. They're going to keep your stuff confidential. They're going to help you through it. They love you, and they're called to this, and it's time to start this. I'm tired of us walking around with all these chains on us. So I'm going to pray for us, and then, then we'll close it out. Father, we love you. We thank you so much for Richard and Charlene. I thank you for their home. I thank you for your, their family. I thank you for Richard's leadership in Christ. I thank you for Charlene's submission in Christ. I thank you that their marriage is an example for us to see. Lord, I thank you for the protection over their home that you provide. I ask for a hedge of protection that, that you guard them against attack because just as they have stepped up and said, I'm willing to help and I'm willing to be a, be, be, answer the call to lead people out of bondage into freedom, the enemy is going to be upset. So I pray that you continue to fill them with the power of the Holy Spirit, so that that authority by which they stand is the authority that the demons and the enemy has no power. And so, Father, I pray. I pray for the people that they're going to lead in ministries, for the structure of leadership in their ministry, that you bring you bring free people that are healthy. Lord, I pray for those that are going to come to them and say, "I need help." Lord, I thank you for the compassion they have and the sincerity of heart. And I pray for lives to be forever changed. I pray for people to walk in freedom and in victory. I thank you for their desire to engage in ministry. I thank you for the calling you've placed on their lives. And we recognize that calling and we commission them today. We send them out into our own church body to bring freedom. We love you and we thank you. We pray all this in the mighty name of Jesus. Marine Creek Church is located in Fort Worth, Texas. If you have any questions, feel free to visit our website at www.marinecreekchurch.com. Thank you.